and welcome to the PR Masters podcast series. I'm Art Stevens, your host for our 25th PR Masters podcast. And my day job is managing partner of the Stevens Group, which is a leading facilitator of mergers and acquisitions in the PR and digital interactive space. The PR Masters podcast series features interviews with some of the living legends in our profession, individuals who have made a mark in the world of public relations. These individuals are open and candid about how they see their contributions to the practice and the reputation of public relations. And we usually share an entertaining as well as informative 45 minutes with you, our listeners. Today's guest is someone I have known professionally and personally for a number of years. She is Kathy Bloomgarden, CEO of Ruder Finn, one of the oldest and most respected public relations firms in the world. Dr. Bloomgarden, or if I may say Kathy, presides over a worldwide organization that has offices throughout the globe. Kathy is well known for her work in positioning companies and positioning CEOs and senior management as leaders and change makers in an era of disruption and accelerated transformation. Dr. Bloomgarden is also the author of Trust, the secret weapon of effective business leaders. And drawing from more than 30 years of experience with dozens of top CEOs and business leaders across technology, healthcare, and the corporate sectors, trust brings into vivid focus the characteristics that make today's leaders successful and the principles and techniques that they use to earn the confidence of employees, colleagues, customers, and the public. Kathy, or Dr. Bloomgarden's work, spans a wide variety and a range of multinational companies, including Novartis, Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, GE, PepsiCo, Barclays, McKinsey, Cisco, Nokia, and Alibaba. This is truly uh, a range of the, one of the, of, of the top corporations in the world that Kathy and Ruder Finn have had the opportunity to work with. Uh, Dr. Bloomgarden is also a member of the Council on Foreign Relations and a board member of the Foundation for the National Institutes of Health, the Partnership for New York City, the China Institute, and she sits on the board, the advisory board, of Columbia University's School of International and Public Affairs. Dr. Bloomgarden holds a BA from Brown University, an MA and PhD from Columbia University in Political Science, as well as her certificate from the East Asian Institute. She is fluent in French and has a working knowledge of Chinese, Italian, and basic German and Russian. Well, that's quite a curriculum vitae, I must say, Kathy. Uh, I'd like to welcome you today, and uh, I have admired your work for so many years and the growth of Ruder Finn, and I'm uh, pleased to have you as my discussion companion today. And how are you doing today, Kathy? Yeah, well, thank you so much, Art, and for that wonderful introduction. You're way too kind. Um, I'm delighted to talk with you today, and, of course, it's a historic moment for all of us um, in this pandemic uh, era. Um, so I think some of the questions we'll discuss will be even more meaningful um, when we think of the context of how our world is changing. Agreed, agreed. Um, and we're certainly get to that, you know, the, the, the sober context of uh, the world that we're living in right now. But the first thing I wanted you to tell us about, Kathy, I mean, you have been in public relations for a number of years, and clearly Ruder Finn is uh, among the oldest and most prestigious public relations 
uh, companies in the world. It started in 1948. Uh, so tell us about the early days of Reuter Finn, when you, your dad, uh, David Finn and William Reuter, had their first client, which was Perry Como, of all, of all people. And things have changed a lot since those days. So, but tell us what you remember about the early days. Well, I, um, of course, wasn't there when the firm first started. But um, what was so inspiring um, growing up uh, was this concept that um, I learned from my father of the importance of being both creative and innovative um, when you are looking at a, a communication challenge or how to bring people together. Um, and it was always keeping in your mind that the new lens is another way to look at something. As you uh, know for sure, uh, my dad was also an artist, and he um, was a very well-known photographer, having produced over 100 books. Uh, and it was always looking at something with a lens where you could see different angles. And that was something very important that he taught us very early. Um, and there were so many very deeply meaningful assignments that um, that he had over the years that he always spoke about from the very long-standing relationship with Kofi Annan at the UN, working so closely with him for so many years, um, or working with the Kennedy administration, um, really helping in many of the different milestones that the Kennedy, Kennedy administration faced. It was inspiring to think of what communication could bring to the table on the, the major issues of our day. So these were times when the agency world was just developing. Um, there were few PR agencies at the time, so I was very fortunate to really see how communication could really change the world. And change the world it did, without question. So given that, how has uh, public relations changed since you first got into it, Kathy? Well, I think public relations is a very dynamic field. And, you know, as the important and pressing issues shift, um, from year to year, communication shifts with it. So it's not static. You have to always be bringing your um, your best to the table and really push yourself to think differently. So today, for example, we face issues like um, how are leadership styles changing? How can we lead out of problems and challenges which look immense like the historic problems we have with the pandemic? What about managing through these crises? What about the activist employees that we saw um, over the past months and will continue to see as we come out of the, the pandemic? What about stakeholder capitalism? These are such fundamental shifts, and communication is there um, to really guide and to really be part of the changes that are happening. So I think that when we look at public relations and people ask, is it an interesting field? It's exciting because it is always changing, and it always does push you to really be top of your game. Your firm uh, was among the early firms that really became global. You have offices in a number of different countries, uh, and you have clients that are international in scope. Um, you, have a, you are one of the pioneers in, in China. Um, how did you decide that the firm needed to become global, uh, and uh, what steps did you take to make that happen? So from my own background, um, having gotten a doctorate in political science and having a lot of language capabilities, um, it was very important to me when I joined the agency to bring something different um, and to add and complement um, what the leadership team was already driving at Ruder Finn. So the aspect that was um, really 
uh, worked with my own background um, was to think of opening a China office. Uh, those very early days, and I think there was a lot of skepticism about whether um, we would be able to really get a foothold in China. Um, but we really worked hard. It took us a number of years, and today we're ranked number one in the China market as a, as, in terms of the um, global PR agencies. So I taking looking for an, uh, the areas where you can bring strength, what really fits your own skill set. It's important when we're um, entering any kind of organization, but um, that was the, the approach that I took when I first joined Ruder Finn. No, so, so given, obviously, the fact that you have a Ph.D. in, uh, in, in the world of international knowledge, um, you were able to blend your training uh, with the future you created for yourself in public relations. I, I think that must have been a happy feeling for you in, in terms of blending your knowledge and uh, the growth of the career you chose. It was really great. So from a geographic perspective, we were able, as I said, to grow our China operations very, very early. And secondly, we were able to provide really good counsel to global multinationals who were looking for global programming or global thinking. Um, so the healthcare sector, where I also have a very strong personal background, was one of the uh, industry verticals that always ran their communication and marketing programs as a global effort. Um, to ensure that there was consistency around the programs that they were bringing to their markets. So that was also a natural area where Ruderfin got really developed uh, considerable strength. Um, and then uh, global multinationals in general, as they looked at their corporate um, perspective, point of view, leadership styles, were also very global in the way they were reaching out to their different stakeholders. And Ruderfin was a natural fit for those, those companies. So, Kathy, you, you're, you're a very successful entrepreneur. You, you've led an agency that's maintained a positive reputation for so many years. So tell us about the agency today and how you've directed it to worldwide prominence. And as a, as a follow-up question, how would you characterize your management style in helping to achieve those goals? So the first uh, really super important point is um, never be complacent. Um, I really um, hold to the, um, the feeling that we always have to look at what's next. And that's been our, our banner for, for a number of years now. Of course, it's certainly relevant today in the pandemic era. But we're really um, always asking ourselves, how can we do something better and different? And I, and I tell my teams when I look at a program we're recommending or a pitch that we're a new business pitch, if we could have written this exactly the same way a year or two years ago, then we're not doing well enough because we have to really always be thinking out of the box, always be thinking of bringing a new lens to how we look at a problem. So I really try to encourage the teams and myself included to, to push ourselves beyond um, what we think we've achieved so far to date. Um, so in order to do that, it means not that it's a top-down leadership style. That always demands a bottom-up kind of leadership style because the great ideas, the new ideas, the fresh ideas, the out-of-the-box ideas that often come from young people um, who are just perhaps just joining the agency. So another one of our, um, our really truths is that we have an extremely flat organization. We're not very hierarchical. And everybody in the room um, gets to speak. And if they don't speak up, then I call on people to speak. And in fact, I have always have had a reverse mentor. Um, so I have someone who's a young person who really helps make sure 
that my, my social media skills are really great, that I'm paying attention to, um, you know, being responsive uh, in a way that answers the questions of everyone on the team, no matter what their level. Um, and, I, and I also meet almost daily on the, on the programs that I'm involved in um, with everyone on the team. And it's, again, it's not a hierarchical, I speak to the leader of the group or I speak to the practice lead. I really dig down into the teams to really understand how the program's advancing and how we can do better. So I think that our leadership style is distinctive. And I've heard a lot of young people who've joined the agency say it's one thing that they really appreciate. And one thing that sets Ruderfin apart is their ability to have a voice, um, no matter what their position is in the hierarchy. So that leads to a question I actually was going to ask you a little bit later, but it, it's, a, it's, it's a great segue into that question anyway. Given that, what do you consider your style of management to be? And then tell us about a, a typical day at the office for Kathy Bloomgarden. Okay, well, I consider um, my personal style to be extremely engaged. Um, I've always told people, and I say this when I'm working with clients, that we don't have um, leaders who just manage. Um, we roll up our sleeves. We all get involved. And that's super important to me because I think we want to bring our best thinking to our clients that we're working with. And it's one reason that I believe our clients stay with us for a very long time. So many of our clients have been with us for over a decade. And I think it's because of that engagement that we have with people who are really top, top of their, um, their practice area or, or top of their specialty that stay involved with the day-to-day -day teams. So if I think of a, a normal day, so I'll, I'll, I always scan the, um, the news in the morning because I'm a media person and I want to know um, what journalists are writing about what issues and topics. So if I have a client that's involved in that particular issue, I can quickly signal that they should perhaps talk to each other that where it would be a helpful input or they'd be a helpful source. Um, so I do that first thing in the morning and I answer all of my European uh, emails in the morning. Um, when I come into work, I start meeting with the teams. And I usually have about five or six accounts that I'm personally very deeply embedded in. And we meet every day and we talk about um, where we can, issue, things we're writing, how we can be sure we're, we're on target for what's happening in the news. We talk about new ideas for programming creative concepts. So we go through the day, again, meeting on the various um, programs that I'm engaged in. And then I'll spend the, the early evening whatever I personally want to write, if I'm working on something for um, one of the CEOs I'm working with, whether it's an op-ed or an article or, or a pitch, and then, and then check the Asian emails um, before I go to sleep. So here's, here's a, a, a dinger of a question I wanted to throw in. <laughs> so what are the things you least like to do in running a, a major global organization like Ruder Finn? Well, I'm really um, lucky that I have a fantastic um, financial operation that is make sure everything is organized and works on time. Um, I'm much more in the client-facing area of the business, um, in the new business um, uh, and outreach to our network, um, and I have a fantastic team headed by Peggy Walsh, who's our um, CFO, who makes sure that everything is operating um, in, a perfect, in perfect order. Okay, well, you answered that question in a reverse way, but I, I get what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kathy, 
Kathy, what would what would you say to somebody who's thinking about public relations as a career here in 2020? You know, the uh, coronavirus aside for the moment, we'll get to that in, in a little while. Yeah, so I I think it's a great uh, profession to go into, uh, and because it's so varied, you have so many opportunities to work on um, diff- work with different vertical industries, whether it's healthcare, technology, retail, whatever your your personal passion is. And you get really can become so deeply embedded in so many different client um, issues and challenges and opportunities that your life is just always changing and it always sparks interest. So for people who are inquisitive, curious, um, people who love to learn new things, PR is, a, is an excellent profession. Um, and you also, as young people today, are really interested in being involved in issues or purpose-driven assignments. Uh, we have, we're fortunate in our business as well that we have the chance to be involved and to help um, evolve the, the topics that are that are just beginning to happen, like the stakeholder capitalism that I referred to earlier. Um, so as companies figure out how they will adapt their business models to a stakeholder capitalism environment, communicating, whether it's with customers, with their own employees, with their investors, with advocacy groups, all of this array of of entities that have a variety of interests, that's fascinating for a person coming into a field like communication, and they can always be bringing something new to the table. Do you have any kind of an internship or trainee program uh, within the Ruderfin? Yes, we've had one for many, many years. I believe that our um, trainee program is one of the largest in the industry, and actually it's a great way for us to train people and to bring them into our organization. We have so many people who started in our trainee program and stayed with us 10, 15, 20 years later. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. That's certainly a testament to what you're doing. Um, are, are you, you, you must be, you know, since you, you have been on, in the world of education as well, are you, uh, how do you feel about the way public relations is being taught these days in colleges and universities? Are they on target, or do you feel that there's something that still needs to be added or missing? I think there's one piece of communications and public relations that we are working on very hard, which could be added a bit more to the curriculum, and that is how technology is changing our field. Um, we all know that, of course, people are very engaged and very up, to, up on and knowledgeable about the social channels, but we all see that um, this is really pushing misinformation. It's creating communities of people who don't necessarily have a fact-based um, approach to forming their own opinions. So how technology is changing and driving the way people think, the way they act, um, the way they come together um, in terms of uh, sharing attitudes and sharing um, news is something that's fast-changing. And I think that it would be helpful to add a little bit more of the evolving technology tools to the public relations curriculum. Well, given that, do you feel that the Rudafin is in the forefront of uh, the use of technology in its uh, programs for clients? Um, so last year, we created a tech lab. And the purpose of the tech lab, which is headed by a um, really wonderful um, person, uh, Tejas, in our, in our team, um, who is really looking for the new and just emerging technology tools 
that are going to enable us to really understand how opinions are formed, how behavior is changed. So we're constantly bringing these new tools and new ideas to our clients, having discussions. We have um, just starting a salon dinner series again to talk about some of these tools and how we can use them. So we're, we're really experimenting, which is so important as you see new tools just coming to the fore. And we're proactively searching for, for those startups that are just experimenting with new approaches to how communications can be um, developed. Kathy, you, know, uh, you volunteer a lot of your time. Uh, when I read about your, your background and the work that you do, you, you volunteer a lot of your time to other organizations and causes. First of all, how do you find time to do that? And, and secondly, why is, why is it important to you? So the way I find time is something I learned from my dad, who would repeat this um, constantly when we were growing up and when he was talking about his business, which is time is elastic, which means that there is no defined time frame. You can always fit something in. And, you know, when you're passionate about something, you will be find time to fit something in. So I tend to try to focus my own energies outside of Ritter Thin on things which touch me at my life and are really important to me. My involvement in China um, is one example. Um, another is the um, area of healthcare. Um, as you know, Art, I'm married to a physician. A lot of our work at Ruderfin is in the healthcare sector. Um, we've been involved in bringing so many really important life-saving breakthroughs um, to better to, to people who really can talk about them and help people understand them. Um, so I'm grateful for that. And we, I do spend in the healthcare sector also contribute my time. Kathy, um, you obviously have a deep interest in women's equality. You know, you are obviously a living example of a woman who has made it in what had been at one time uh, an, an old boys network, uh, a gentleman's industry, uh, and today there are so many prominent uh, CEOs of uh, various uh, public relations organizations as well as uh, corporate communications uh, executives of major uh, corporations, uh, Fortune 500 companies. Uh, what do you believe uh, is the cause of that, and what do you believe is the current status of women's equality in public relations? Well, public relations today um, actually tends to have more women than men in terms of the absolute numbers in the profession um, from my personal anecdotal experience. Um, I know that in some agencies um, it's still very heavily dominated um, by men at the top, um, but I think as more women are in the field, um, that will start to shift, and I, there are a lot of um, really outstanding women who are leading major PR agencies now. I think this really goes more also um, into the diversity issue. And, of course, we um, are very sensitive to that, and we are always looking to make sure that we have a diverse set of candidates for any position. Um, you know, we're, I believe, the only agency in the world that has dual headquarters. So we actually put a headquarters um, in China and a headquarters um, in New York and the U.S., precisely because we wanted to make certain that we were entirely global in our thinking and that we had a very diverse set of attitudes. So if you look at the composition of Ruderfin as a whole, um, we would be uh, more than 50% diverse um, if you were to um, greatly more than 50% diverse, um, which I think is a very strong, um, it was a very important strength of ours. Um, 
And I think that the um, we've also worked really hard in, in order to make sure that we have no silos. We don't um, want people to think of their teams as geographically situated. We really want to think as one team, as one global agency. And for some uh, time now, uh, we've actually made our P&Ls around client assignments and not around geographies just to make certain that we try as hard as possible to form this very global team spirit. Okay, we're going to turn to uh, a very, very sensitive and uh, 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 tough topic at the moment, uh, the world we're living in, uh, the world that, that has been dictated by the coronavirus uh, crisis. Um, I'm going to ask you uh, initially, I have a few questions about that, but I just want to you know, have you speak from the gut for a moment and, and just give me your, your views on it. Uh, you know, think of it as just a uh, uh, Rorschach test. You know, when, I, when I say the word uh, coronavirus, what, what comes to mind for you? Well, I think that what we're living through right now um, is a crisis of historic um, uh, parameters. No one has seen this level of shutdowns, um, spread of disease, a job unemployment, uh, economic contraction. And I don't think if you had written this into a novel, um, people would have uh, believed, felt, uh, found it believable. So um, I, I think that it now demands a very, very strong leadership coming out of this on every single level. So what do you think uh, is changing public relations uh, as we know it today uh, because of, uh, of, of this uh, pandemic? I think people will never think the same again about the importance of communications. Communications is absolutely driving um, the ability to manage this crisis and ultimately our ability to emerge and to reset our path forward. And Almost everyone is uh, actually recognizing and embracing that. Um, people obviously are looking for a strong leadership to explain to them what's happening and what's going to happen next. The really important challenge here is that no one knows the answers to those questions. And I think it's been hard for CEOs to stand up or to realize that they have to be present, constantly present, and yet they may not have any answers from one day to the next. I think a great example of how communication has turned the corner and made a huge difference um, are the communication daily briefings that Governor Cuomo has. Um, I understand they're being watched all over the U.S. I even had some friends in China tell me that they're watching some of the Cuomo press briefings. It's really um, amazing the reach that Cuomo has had and what has happened is that people see there's someone present. He's very decisive. Um, he's authentic and transparent about not knowing the answers. And he does, and he gives the facts. He doesn't try to make it sound better. Um, the facts are harsh in many instances, and he's just very straight about it. Um, present every single day at the same time, um, talking about where we stand. And I think people can see that. That has changed the course of the pandemic in, in New York, uh, in New York State, and certainly um, also in the very hard hit, uh, very dense uh, New York City. Um, so this kind of leadership is just a great symbol of what we have to all do at every single level, whether it's companies, whether it's within companies, 
um, in order to be able to make people have confidence and feel better about um, getting on with the day-to-day. You raise a, a, a very interesting point. Obviously, uh, Mario, uh, uh, Mario, uh, <laughs> his dad, Andrew Cuomo, <laughs> yep. has obviously risen to the top of the ranks as, a, as an able communicator. Um, do you think he will serve as a role model for other uh, statesmen going forward, uh, elected officials and uh, perhaps corporate CEOs in the manner in which he has uh, embraced the power of communication? Well, we certainly hope so. I think it's an excellent example. Um, but of, of course, we don't we don't know yet to what extent he'll be successful in influencing others. Um, but certainly, it's a model that we will be able to point to, who can um, show that it can make a huge difference and have a great impact to be present, to communicate cons- consistently and constantly. So I would certainly hope so. So Ruder, Ruder Finn has a number of overseas clients, and of course you you are used to being on a plane. I know that um, you know you you have traveled everywhere. You know from China to Europe to Switzerland or Novartis is, and uh, you know visiting your international clients. Do you feel that will change because of what's going on now? In the short term, I think until we have a vaccine, um, certainly I think that travel will not be, um, people won't travel very much. Uh, And I also understand people are um, not excited about having New York City (laughs) residents visit them. Um, uh, But on the other hand, I think we've all learned how to work remote. And I think there will be far greater flexibility in terms of being able to have meetings, um, to lead workshops, to hold events. Um, to do all kinds of things that required us to travel extensively, but now do them via um, collaboration platforms. Kathy, what are you most proud of in your uh, role as CEO of Ruder Finn? I mean, obviously you've had the opportunity to work with some significant uh, companies and organizations throughout the world, um, and there there must be some, some highlights in terms of the career you've had at uh, at uh, Ruderfin and as CEO, um, what do you what do you cherish the most in terms of your role and whatever you feel makes you feel good? Well, I, I am so lucky to have worked with um, such great leaders um, over the years, and I've learned every um, from every assignment, um, which extended over many years in many instances, of you know how you can really excel in life and how you can fi- fight crises. Um, Having worked um, more than eight years with John Chambers, a former CEO and, and chairman of Cisco, um, where I really learned how to look ahead of the curve. Um, John always said, um, never compete against competitors. You compete against the market transitions. Always go to where the puck is going. And that's a great lesson that I've always kept with me, um, especially today and especially our whole what's next that has been Ruderfin's banner I um, really learned uh, from John about how to constantly be challenging yourself to always be thinking that way. And in the healthcare sector, I've worked with so many CEOs um, who, again, were so inspiring, so purpose-driven, 
Um, today, having worked with the, working to, with the new uh, CEO of Paul Hudson at Sanofi, his humanity, his um, engagement with the, the employee base, his ability to help people to bring their best every day as he really pushes the organization in the discovery of a vaccine and, and diagnostic tests for, for COVID. Um, it's just inspiring to see these people who really are at the top of their game in, in their industries. And for me, that's been the most important and exciting part of my life as a communication person. Um, and it, I think what I'm proud of is that we've been able to learn so much and bring it back to our organization so we can be a better agency and we can learn from these great, great leaders um, who can really help us to be better, to be stronger, to be always thinking out of the box and to always bring a new lens to the work that we do. So who are some of your other heroes? Oh, my heroes. Well, I think I've mentioned a number of them. I have to say that, you know, for me, heroes are the people that I've been working with that I've gotten close to, the CEOs that I've that I've known. Um, having started my career working um, very early in the very early days for the chairman and CEO of Volvo, where I learned really early about, you know, again, manufacturing and, and how you could you could really uh, bringing new thinking to a global company, uh, working with uh, in the early days with Brad Smith at Microsoft, um, and I've always followed Brad since the, the days I worked together, the years I worked together with him um, when he was actually stationed in Europe. Um, so these again, John Chambers, Paul Hudson, um, Joe Jimenez at Novartis, uh, these Dan Vasella, these are leaders who um, brought something quite distinctive and quite unique. Um, to the organizations that they were leading. Um, and it's, these were really the people that I learned the most from and that I've um, been grateful to have been able to work together with. Kathy, what is your view of the overall PR agency world today? Where do you feel it is in uh, contemporary life? And uh, where, where, is it, where does it need to go? So I think the, uh, first of all, I think that what where we've gotten to in contemporary life and in the business community is that I think communication has a seat at the table. And that was not always the case. So we're seen as today as an important um, business imperative, um, not just nice to have that people would call in afterwards to write a press release, but having a strategic function. And I think we need to continue to drive that um, and make sure that we're continuously improving the impact that we're having on the companies and on the, the business community. Um, where we need to go, we all know that the whole communication world is shifting. Um, it'll be accelerated by the pandemic, but it was happening already. Um, as more, more social online, digital consumption of news and lifestyles become more digital, um, the whole advertising paradigm is shifting and communication and how the integrated uh, communication um, coming together is, is evolving, is changing. So we need to continue to figure out how PR um, will become a very, very leading voice in that mix as the communication mix shifts. So you work with a lot of leaders, and not only in your own organization, but, you know, obviously um, in, in, in the world you preside over. Uh, so let's look at leadership. What, what do you feel that leadership uh, should look like during a crisis like the one we face today? You know, what makes a leader inspiring? What is a leader supposed to say or do when they really don't know what the way forward is? Well, the most important thing um, that we discussed a minute ago was just to show up. 
So um, you, you have to be very, very present, um, which means being repeatedly visible, um, sending out regular communications, um, being authentic and transparent if there really are no answers, as is the case in many aspects today, um, and then being decisive. Uh, we're going to have to all align together and go in one direction um, if we're going to be able to progress. Um, and that also requires a very inspirational note. Um, lining people around purpose, why they come to work every day, what is the humanity that we all have, and where do we have some commonalities where we can all work together to, to foster positive change. So I think that inspirational engagement is critical as well. Um, and I, true leadership really needs to um, connect into that opportunity. What's your view of where uh, our country is today, and how can how can PR and Ruder Finn play a more meaningful role in it? Well, I saw some data recently um, that really was um, striking, and it showed that on almost every issue, there was very little middle ground, that people tended to go to the extremes. So what you find is a very contentious, very, um, you know, very uh, difficult uh, environment around so many different topics. And I think one thing about communications, another thing that my father, David Finn, always taught us was you need to find the bridge. You need to find the area where people can listen and talk to each other. Where is the, where is the collaboration possible and build from that? So I think that one uh, area that communication can really um, contribute to greatly um, is just bringing people together, finding that bridge, finding a way to discuss contentious issues in a way that people can listen to each other, people can actually um, work to resolve uh, differences. Um, because otherwise, what we'll see is a continued divide um, where there really is uh, just people clustered on, the, on both ends of the spectrum. So uh, from what I hear you say about heroes, I... Uh... There's one name that uh, you, I'm sure is not inadvertent, but uh, I am sure that one of your great heroes in your life was your dad, David Finn, one of the true legends in the public relations industry. Yes, he was always very inspiring um, and always pushed us to excel. Um, always you had to think how you could do something better um, and challenge yourself constantly, and I found that to be a wonderful way to grow up and a wonderful way to really develop yourself and in a disciplined way um, and challenge yourself uh, on, a, on every day to, to really bring something new to the table, um, to be creative, to be innovative, um, to, and to take that, that, that idea that time is elastic. Um, there's always time um, to do something important. Kathy, I just have a few more questions for you. You've been wonderful with your time. I know how busy you are. Um, but I want to ask you a couple of questions about you personally. Uh, you know, we've learned about uh, Kathy Bloomgarden, you know, the CEO of one of the world's largest independent uh, public relations organizations. But um, tell, tell us a little bit about yourself. And I'll start with what are your hobbies? What do you, what do you like to do when you're, you know, when you're not at the office? Okay, well, I'm afraid I'm a big jock, so um, I jog every day, um, five miles, and I swim a couple of miles a week as well when the pool is open. Sadly, I'm going crazy now because all the pools are closed. Yeah. Um, but I really find swimming and jogging to be a great way to think and to put aside you know, things that are pressing on you and distracting you 
and just really have a chance to unwind um, to very calmly think about a problem. It always clears my head. So I'm I'm really a dedicated, <laughs> really um, fierce uh, swimmer and jogger, and I'm fortunate in my that my husband is also the same. So I have a partner who will um, push me along if I feel tired one day, and and I do the same for him. Nice to have. Nice to have. How do you want to be remembered, Kathy? I want to be remembered for somebody who always asked the question, what's next, and made people think about um, ahead of the curve, just like John Chambers um, teaches us every day, which is really go to where the market is transitioning, go to where the puck is going. It's never good enough to just keep doing what is right, because John always says doing what's right too long is your greatest weakness. Um, so it's hard to remember that. Um, and I think I hope that I will help other people in our organization to speak up, to be um, bringing their best, to be engaged and involved, and to always be developing and growing and contributing um, by thinking about where we're all headed, what's around the curve. And my, my final, final question to you for today, Kathy, and I really thank you for joining us, but my final question is, where do you see Kathy Bloomgarden in the years ahead? Well, that's an easy answer, Art. I want to be right here doing what I'm doing. <laughs> it's the reason I get up in the morning. I love the field of PR. Um, I feel so fortunate um, with the clients that I work with. I'm grateful for uh, being the opportunity to lead Ritter Finn, um, and I hope I'll be doing that for many years to come. And all of us uh, join you in that wish because you are among the PR legends in the industry and truly exemplifies all that is right with our profession. So, Kathy Bloomgarden, on behalf of our listeners, I thank you very much for joining us today and sharing your views with us. All right. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy. And thank you all of you for tuning in to another of the Stevens Group PR Masters podcast series. Until next time, I'm Art Stevens, wishing you all the very best.